You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast, and this is session number 94. Now this is the podcast where we talk about the business of tabletop games and explore what it takes to make a local game store and elf business. That means easy, lucrative, and fun. Uh, we believe that by learning new skills and strategies, we can elevate the entire industry, make a greater impact on our local communities, and create profitable businesses that allow us to enjoy the hobbies and games that got us into the industry in the first place. If you want to fast-track your game store success, then head over to maniversesaga.com forward slash join and become a member of the Maniverse Network. That's where you'll find a community of game store owners dedicated to building their businesses as well as all the recordings from the 2020 LGS Success Summit and additional content only available to members of the network. My goal this year is to make the Maniverse Network the place to be for ambitious game store owners that want to grow their businesses. So to that end, I've got a number of exciting projects planned over the next 12 months, including the 2021 LGS Success Summit this summer. Go to maniversesaga.com forward slash join to become a member today. Now, for those of you who don't know, I recently moved the family and I from Ontario, that's Canada, to Nova Scotia in the middle of February this year as part of getting settled into the new area. I started doing some research into the local game stores nearby and found one that looked like they had a pretty good operation going on. And I saw that they had a few one-star reviews. Now, this particular store was in Halifax, which is about two hours away, and this review got me thinking. If you've been open for any length of time in this business, you've probably run into someone who thinks they deserve a special deal. Uh, maybe they've been a long-time customer, maybe they just rolled in off the street and they feel like you owe them some cheaper prices. Uh, at the moment of this recording, there is a surge of speculation in the Pokemon market uh, with a huge number of people buying up product in order to resell and flip on platforms like eBay and Facebook. Now, depending on who you ask, this is either a great opportunity for store owners to clean up or a problem that's going to create a lot of unhappy customers. And it's not the first time that the hobby industry has experienced a speculative frenzy, and it's unlikely to be the last. Uh, short of sitting out and not dealing in the particular product, you know, you're going to have to make a decision on how to handle it. And not making a decision is still a decision. Uh, keep in mind that no matter how you choose to approach an explosion of demand like this, you're going to you're going to make people mad. If you choose to limit allocation, uh, some of your customers are going to miss out since they weren't one of the you know first 15 people or whatever in the lineup. Uh, if you pick and choose who gets access, you know, you're playing favorites. And besides, there's no real way to know which customer is a hobbyist buying for the love of the game and which one is looking to make a quick buck on the resale. Can't tell. Uh, if you don't do anything and just price the product at MSRP as usual, you might have all the products scooped up by one or two people. And if you price to the market demand, you will likely have people call you a scalper and accuse you and your business of ripping people off. It may seem like a no-win scenario at first glance, uh, but that's only because we're looking at it the wrong way. In these situations, we need to measure things along more than one axis and try to strike that optimal balance. We know that we're going to disappoint and anger a subset of our customer base, no matter what we decide to do. So we have to work from that assumption. We want to make sure we piss off the right people, so to speak. You need to pick a strategy that is fair for the genuine customers who want to enjoy their hobby and to you as the business owner. So what we have to do is we have to look at the resellers for what they really are, which is direct competitors. They are hoping to become an additional layer in the supply chain between you and the end consumer, but without any of the overhead or adding any of that goodwill to the community. And chances are you already have some sort of policy in place regarding, you know, the backpack dealers that inevitably try to take up space in your gaming area. 
You just need to expand the definition a little bit. Another way to think about it would be if another store owner came into your shop and bought out every pack you had of a new limited release with the express intention of turning around and selling that product to your other customers for double or triple the price, would you let them do it? Probably not. Probably not. This means that restricting access in some ways is going to be a necessary component of how we do things when demand exceeds supply. There's just no way around it. The question is, how do we go about doing that? Now, the free marketer in me says to allow supply and demand to determine your prices. If your resellers can go online and sell something for 3x the MSRP, there's no reason you can't price the same way. That's essentially what game store owners do in normal times. So it's kind of funny to me that they, you know, all of a sudden feel weird about uh, doing it when demand spikes for a particular product. But uh, to each their own. By pricing to the market, you get to take advantage of the increased demand and actually profit from it rather than letting someone else do it. And as I've said before, there is no shame in profit. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. This is your opportunity to cash in and fill your war chest. Take it, because they don't come around very often. But that can't be where you stop, because you're still going to alienate a good portion of your community. You know, as great as the profit is, there have to be other considerations. Uh, customers aren't completely interchangeable. You know, they're people with pains, desires, and personalities. And the hobby business is fundamentally about the relationship that you build with them. It's not just about the transaction. The average customer is not going to be cool with paying three to four hundred bucks for a booster box if all they want to do is play the game with their friends. We spoke about the lack of goodwill that resellers bring into the community earlier. This is what will suffer when prices are too high for an extended period of time. Uh, you, you risk losing your entire customer base, or a good portion of your customer base, if you price products so high that they become unattainable to your regular clientele. So, I recommend a mixed approach, and taking your allocation of, you know, super hot product or whatever it is, and separating it into at least two groups. So the first batch is des designated for your committed customers. Uh, these would be the people that are on your email list, uh, members of your membership program, or some other indication that they, you know, they value your business or provide value to your community. So these people want to know that you care about them, that you actually appreciate them. And by giving them an opportunity to buy an extremely hot product at the regular or, you know, slightly above regular price is a way of showing them that. Now, how you determine who gets the opportunity to buy depends on how much allocation you get, the size of your list and your average sales. Uh, you know, you could do a draw and allow people to submit their name for a chance to buy, uh, then pick a number of winners according to the amount of product that you've set aside. Uh, or you could do a special sale for members only and have them line up first come, first serve kind of thing. Or you could just limit the amount of uh, product each person can purchase and try to spread it equally amongst the customers who purchase regularly. You know, the, the mechanism is up to you. But this gives the hobby players, like the actual, like genuine customers inside your community, a chance to enjoy their hobby. Uh, without being forced out by speculators who just want to make a quick buck. And it also, this is a nice bonus part to it, it incentivizes your customers to join your email list or become members or whatever it is as well so they can get access to similar opportunities in the future. For the remaining product, whatever that second batch is, whenever, however much you want to portion out, 60-40, uh, 50-50, however you want to break it out, price it accordingly and feel good about it. You know, don't be ashamed of taking advantage of the market conditions and don't feel bad about the speculators not being able to cash in. They don't provide anything to the community, so it's no big deal if they're upset about being cut out of the sales process. As long as you take care of the customers in your community that have earned your loyalty in return, feel free to mark up whatever proportion of your product you deem is appropriate. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, but what about the reviews? 
I'm going to get a ton of bad reviews online if I do this. That's a fair concern. That's exactly what I talked about at the beginning of this podcast. That's the reason I wanted to discuss this idea. Uh, it's definitely a common tactic of disgruntled customers to go online and leave a nasty review for your store, especially when they feel like you ripped them off by not allowing them to buy a product for more than what they believe is fair. Lots of air quotes there. One-star reviews can suck. As entrepreneurs, you know, we take criticism of our business personally, so a one-star review is like having someone call your baby ugly. But it's important to realize that if we're doing things properly, that is, pissing off the right people in this scenario, their opinion shouldn't really matter. So the first thing you should do is take a step back, try and separate yourself from the emotion of the criticism, and take on the mindset that the person's opinion is not the one that matters, because they're not really your customer. It's like if a random person says something mean about you on Twitter, or, or having a person insult you while you're playing a game online. It's irrelevant. It's meaningless. At least in this case. They're lashing out because they're disappointed that they don't get to take advantage of you and your business. And that's not something you need to take seriously. So that's step one. Look at the review dispassionately. If you can't do that, have someone else handle the next part for you. The second part is to realize that the one-star review is an opportunity to convey what you value to your genuine customers. Now, as much as we might fantasize about all the smackdown we want to virtually unleash on this person's unjustified review, uh, we have a chance to take the high road here and offer a reply, a public reply. So, explain your pricing and why you chose to handle things the way that you did and how it was in the spirit of fairness to customers that actually want to enjoy their hobby that you decided to price the market or price to the market on a popular and scarce product. This is also your chance to show the value of people joining your list or membership so they can get access to opportunities like this. Uh, the important thing to remember in this kind of scenario is that the reply is not really for the reviewer. It's for everyone seeing the review. For all the other customers that keep your store in business the rest of the year that you serve all the time, chances are that one-star reviewer is a transient customer at best, and you probably won't see them again until the next flipping opportunity came up anyway. The customers that support your business day in and day out will see that review. They'll get a better understanding of what you value, which is the relationship you have with them and the community at large. So that's for these sorts of unfair, unjustified, spiteful one-star reviews. In a similar way, you should respond to genuine bad reviews in the same way. Uh, things happen. Sometimes you or one of your employees is having a bad day. You know, it happens. If a customer has a bad experience with your business and decides to leave a negative review, you should take that as an opportunity not to not only show everyone else that you care, but also to turn the review into something positive. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. So a long time ago, I worked at a call center for Xbox. Long, long time ago. And I had an older gentleman call in, and I still vividly remember this. I had an older gentleman call in to complain about his console dying for something like the third time in two months. Uh, back then, this was during the era of the Xbox 360. And the 360 was notorious for the three red lights that would signal that your console's dead. And we get calls like that all the time. But this guy was having a particularly bad day. He spent the first 10 or so minutes yelling at me about how my, my company was ripping people off and what a shoddy product that we made. He was really upset, and justifiably so. So I let him rant and rave, and I, you know, I let him get it out of his system. He was attacking me directly a lot of the time, but I didn't take it personally. You know, he was just angry and lashing out. So... For the most part, I just listened and commiserated. Overall, the phone call was the equivalent of a raged-filled, you know, one-star review. And in this case, it would have been completely earned because he had a terrible experience with his Xbox and the service that he received, and he was justifiably upset. But that's not where it ends. 
you know, once he was done raging after about like 20 minutes, he slowed down and then he apologized because he knew that it wasn't really my fault. He was just frustrated and he really needed someone to hear him out. And I told him that I would make sure that his case gets escalated. We'd take care of everything, you know, expedited shipping and all that. And we'd make sure that we get his console back to him ASAP. And hopefully for the very last time, we'll never have to deal with this again. You know, when someone leaves a one-star review for a bad experience they have, they want the same thing. They want to be heard by someone who actually cares. So you should, again, step back. You know, avoid taking the complaint personally. And reply with a genuine offer to make the experience better. Give the person your phone number and offer to have a conversation about it. This shows that you actually care enough about your customer's experience to put in the time to actually make it right. And oftentimes, this sort of response is so uncommon and unexpected that you can turn that one-star review into a five-star by taking the time to address their concerns directly and have a real conversation with them. Uh, by the end of the conversation with the guy I was talking to, he was singing my praises. He, he was glad that Microsoft had people like me to help people like him. He walked away with a much better impression of the business than when things started. Then, also, there's the PR benefits of offering such a response to one-star reviews. You know, people, other people reading those reviews will see that you actually care enough to spend time responding in the first place and addressing the person's concerns. But you also go above and beyond what other business owners are willing to do to make the situation right. Believe me, this is not something that most business owners will do. Most people will ig either ignore the one-star review and just let it, you know, just complain about it in the background to their friends or or what have you and just let it sit there or they will lash out they'll respond in a way that doesn't put them in the best light even if and this is something to keep in mind even if the one star review is uh, angry and let's say mean and calling you out directly and you feel personally insulted that this person is complaining and it's ridiculous and all of that even if that's the case, chances are you have to expect that the way that they're expressing themselves is how they feel. That's their honest opinion of what they experienced. And if that's how they felt, even if it's ridiculous, even if that's not truly the case and it's not the whole story, you can still turn that review around. You can still help that person understand either the underlying circumstances that generated their experience in the first place, or you can bring them to your point of view and at least meet in the middle there's always something that you can do to salvage the situation and if not at the very least you're putting something up on the internet where other people can see what you've done and if you do this kind of reputation management consistently and you treat your customers well you'll get your most ardent supporters also jumping on the comments as you know to come to your defense and that is probably the best kind of social proof that you can get that's the like the ideal once you get your customers defending your business to other people, that's a great place to be because then you've got those advocates who are working for you and uh, coming to coming to your defense. And that'll make the sting of the one-star reviews definitely uh, minimized for sure. So hold the line and don't be afraid to price your products appropriately, especially at times like this where demand goes crazy. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Manverse Podcast. Remember, there's always room to improve and opportunities available. And if you want to be part of a community on your business journey to share ideas with and continue learning, you can become a member of the Manverse Network by going to manversaga.com forward slash join. And that's where you can get access to all the seminars from the recent LGS Success Summit as well as additional exclusive content. Until next time, I'm Tom Traplin. I've been your host. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next episode of the Manverse Podcast.